All right, I'm here today with um, Edith from Hungary, and you are a you've you've been here in the states since 1995. Did you you grew up in Hungary? You were born there, and I've brought you on today to ask you about your experience growing up in Hungary, living in Hungary, and whether that has any relevance to what we're seeing in the U.S. today, and if there's anything that you'd like to say to the American people? Yeah, there is a lot I would like to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was born and raised in uh, Hungary at a time when it was a communist country. And um, I have experienced firsthand what communism is like. And uh, I can tell you that what is happening in America right now is that communism is here and it's ready to take over unless Americans wake up and do something about it and stop it. It's very crucial that Americans understand how bad this regime is and how hard they are working at taking over our country. So one thing, um, when you use, use the word communism, so I grew up in an interesting time. I, when I was in junior high and high school, um, we were always, we were told about, you know, the communist regimes and how, how terrible they were and how much better it was here. When I got into college, it was as if that narrative was reversed. And in yeah. this was in the 80s. And people, it, if you if you criticized communism or if you if you talked about it like it was you know an evil system, you would be ridiculed. Um, the school I went to anyway was was a very left-wing school and there was Marxist ideology everywhere. And so there's been, you know, I don't think it's only in the universities, but there has been an effort in America to soften the word communism and to 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 make people more comfortable with it. So why people who've grown up thinking, oh, you know, someone who's railing against communism, they're just, you know, a nutcase and that's just silly. What is it about communism that is so that's so bad? So you made a really good point about colleges. Um, that's uh, it starts with the education, education, our ch educating our children in schools. Um, I, I, I like to call it brainwashing. That's exactly what they are doing. <laughs> Uh, and erasing our history. You could see a, an effort um, towards this when they were tearing down our statues um, this summer mm -hmm. in America. Um, that's part of erasing a, a, our history. Um, and we know from history that when there is a regime change, they tear down set statues. And that happened in Hungary too. When communism was over in 1989, they tore down the communist statues and uh, they were replaced with other statues. Now there is a museum, a park, where um, some of these uh, communist statues are on display as part of our history. Um, now going back to the education piece, um, there, is, there has definitely been an an effort in America to soften the word communism and that whole ideology that it's not so dangerous. However, if you ask people who have lived in it, who have experienced it firsthand, they will tell you it's not, it's not a soft thing. It's a very harsh, very hard, 
thing. It's 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 a it's dictatorship. It's totalitarian control. It's regime. Um, and, what was uh, it like for you growing up there? What was what were some of the things you remember that that are like examples that you can point to? Yes. So I'm I uh, I was getting to that um, with the school system. Um, it, they uh, I don't even know where to start. So here, like you said, in colleges, you can we know that about half the professors at least are. Um, are communi- they, they promote communist uh, ideology, Marxist ideology, and they have been brainwashing uh, students and our population for several decades now. And that's where we are at this point where we are now in our country. Um, that's exactly what the communists did to us when we were growing up. Um, we had to swear allegiance to the communist regime and their ideology in first grade you're talking about five, six-year-olds who have no idea about politics and ideology mm-hmm. and, and systems. But they started it at a young age, in the first grade. Um, there was a school ceremony at the beginning of the school year, like a back-to-school night type of thing. And the whole class, all the, all the classes were lined up in the schoolyard and children had to take the oath to support the communist regime. We had to wear a white shirt that was a uniform. In first through fourth grade, we had to wear the blue scarves. And then when we got into fifth grade, we had to take another oath to support the communist regime and their ideology. And at that point, our scarf was changed into a red scarf and all the fixings Mm. on the shirt. The same thing, uh, well, by the time I got to high school, we didn't have to take an oath in high school, but I'll tell you about my experience about all this. So I grew up in a Christian home and we didn't, we didn't, my parents didn't want me to swear allegiance to the communist regime in first grade. When I went to fifth grade, the teacher was begging my parents to let me do it because she could see a potential in me. And she also knew and told us that if I don't swear allegiance to the Communist Party in fifth grade, I will not be able to go to high school or college. That was not an option. Communists wouldn't let you move on. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were about to start the swearing ceremony. And my mom said to me in the last minute, just go ahead and do it. Because she was scared and intimidated that if I don't do this, if I don't take the oath, then I, that her daughter will not be able to go to higher education, get higher mm-hmm. education, get a diploma. So I did say it, went through my elementary school years, and then I got to high school. And first, on the first day in my class in high school, the teacher asked the class, raise your hand if you want to be part of the communist youth organization. And I thought, oh, no, please don't do this. And I knew what was coming and my heart sank and my my heart was pounding so fast, ready to jump out of my chest because I knew what the next question was going to be. Raise your hand if you don't want to be part of the communist youth organization. And my hand was the only hand that went up. And from that day on, I was an outcast. Nobody wanted to sit with me. Nobody wanted to be my friend. 
I was isolated. I was alone. I would like to say to the American people, think about what they are doing to our children now. They are isolating them. They are isolating us, using the COVID as the cover. Children are kept out of school. They are not allowed to socialize. They are isolated. They are not allowed to play with their friends. They're not allowed to hug each other. They are not allowed to be with each other in classroom or outside of classroom. I can tell you that that experience in high school messed with me so much with my emotional and mental well-being. I thought I was the worst kid on the face of this earth. I thought I could never amount to anything. I was so depressed. Think about all the suicides that are happening right now. Again, using COVID as a cover. Our suicide rates have gone up. People are depressed. People are isolated. Their livelihoods are being ruined. And there is, there is no one to turn to. We cannot gather, we cannot socialize, we cannot support each other. And I just wanted to get back to something you you hinted at. There's also this divisiveness. There's this division because you were singled out. You yes. were the, the, the system, the school in your case, made this classification of people. There are the people who wanted to be in the communist youth organization, and then there were the ones who didn't. Yeah. And... By implication, the ones who don't are the pariahs, they're the outcasts, they're the ones we don't talk to or associate yeah. with. Um, yeah. What would have happened? Let's say, let's say one of your classmates had wanted to sit with you at lunch or wanted to talk with you. What would have happened to them if they had done that? Well, they were risking being an outcast as well. Mm -hmm. And it just, it sounds to me, it sounds so similar to what's happening now in America. Do you, do you see a parallel or do you see more than one parallel with that, that institutionalized division and turning people against each other that way? Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially wearing a mask, these mask mandates, they uh, are an outward sign immediately you know on which side who is on which side it, it by its by its nature it's dividing our society our people i know that the left liberals are calling for unification but they are the ones who are imposing on us the mask mandates imposing by imposing the mask mandates they are also bringing on us this division. Mm -hmm. By imposing isolation, they are bringing division. Yeah. Because and isolation is separating people. That's division. Yeah, yeah. And what you were talking about, the kind of system you're talking about, you know, it's really, I mean, again, I just see this parallel. There was a whole system set up where you grew up, whereby if you didn't toe the line from childhood, if you didn't say the oath and join the organization and play along and do all the things they wanted you to, 
your options in life were cut off. I mean, definitely. What, what would your life have been like? Well, two questions, I guess. What would your life have been like if you hadn't taken the oath early on? And then in what ways, like, what were your options if you, you didn't join, you've been this, you're this outcast, you didn't join the organization. How did that affect your options for a career or for, for? Well, obviously you couldn't get a high school diploma and you couldn't get a college education. Mm. So where does, what does that leave you with? Leaves you with sweeping the floors in an office building, mm-hmm. sweeping the streets, cleaning toilets. I mean, think about it. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have much options. And, and I'm guessing you couldn't just start your own business, right? Oh, t- t- <laughs> what? there were no private businesses, which is bringing me to another point that's mm-hmm. happening in America right now. Mm-hmm. They are killing our small businesses. This is now the third lockdown in California. And uh, people can't survive. Yeah. How are they going to pay their bills? How are they going to feed their families? You see, in communism, everything was centralized. Everything was government through the state. Mm-hmm. Grocery stores, department stores, anything was centralized down from the government, down. Which is not how it's supposed to be in this country, right? It's not right? How it's supposed to be. Yeah. So why do you think they are doing these lockdowns? There is another purpose in this. Not just one, many, um, where it's killing the businesses so the large corporations can survive. And then, and if you to control centrally, right? The and, and the more, and I think, I think, again, there's so much Americans don't understand about communism and about centralized systems. There's a re- there are real life consequences to having centralized control, and you just yeah. described some of that. Mm-hmm. So. If there are no more small businesses, if it's just, you know, corporate giants with ties to the state, then you've got to play their game or maybe you can't go shopping for your groceries. Exactly. You know, maybe you can't get a job other than sweeping floors. Mm -hmm. Um, Have no other options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about you had you had mentioned um, some demonstrations that you've attended here in the U.S. And I really wanted to get your your feedback about what happened when you went to Sacramento a couple different times. Would you want to talk about that? Well, I went to the state capital a couple of different times, uh, one for um, a public hearing and another one was uh, for the, wedding, uh, the swearing in ceremony for the new legislature. And uh, within just a few weeks' uh, time, I could already tell the difference about how we were treated. So the first time a few weeks ago, our small group, um, we were allowed to go in. Uh, we had a security es- escort, but the first time they took us into the assembly, they didn't want to allow us time to make comments. They started the meeting late, but they wanted to finish it on time, which would mean that we would run out of time for public comments. So we had to fight for that right to be able to make comments. And there were lots of friends and other people on the line, on the phone lines, in queue, wanting to make comments. They didn't even allow that one. They allowed the few of us that were there to make comments, but they limited it to one minute. 
and they didn't allow us to go back to the afternoon session. They didn't like some. They didn't like that we spoke up. They didn't like that we wanted our time to make public comments. So they didn't. Uh, oh, they didn't like it that we went to the bathroom after. <laughs> that was one of the excuses. Oh my god! Yeah. And, and this is supposed to be representative democracy. This, this, is, this is. Yeah. These are the people representing us, supposedly, yeah. but they don't want to hear from us. No, they don't want to hear from us. And then on Monday for the legislature's. Um, swearing in ceremony it was even worse because now they escorted us straight from the street sidewalk one by one a few minutes by about five minutes intervals and security walked us down the hallway into a room that they kept locked and we had to watch the ceremony through a screen and when we wanted to leave the room they had to call for security in the hallway they were on their phones, you know, and with their earbuds, and uh, they opened the door, they unlocked the door, and they walked us out one by one, and there was security along the hallway watching us walking, like, halfway through the hallway, at the end of the hallway, hallway, both ends of the hallway. It was unreal. It was very scary, very scary. It felt like I was a criminal. We were, a, we were criminals. It Totally felt like in like when we were in communism. Did you have any experiences like that when you were living in Hungary? Did you have any run-ins with the state? Any experiences where you were put in a position like that? Well, we were uh, we we didn't get into trouble with the law, but uh, for example, it actually was after communism when it was, was over, and there is still socialism over there. Mm. Um, we went we went back to visit my family in Hungary and my purse was stolen. Our car was broken into and my purse and our passports were stolen. And we had to go to the uh, police station and my husband was not allowed to go into the same room with me when there was this bunch of policemen interviewing me. Wow. It's just like reminding it, it's in some ways and it's not at the same level in fact, this was worse at the state capitol on Monday, <laughs> how we were kept in a locked room. We walked, security walked us and kept us in a lock, locked room. Wow. Um, what do you, uh, other than waking people up and, and getting them to realize what it is that we're facing, those of us who already are awake, those of us who realize this is a problem, do you have any advice, any thoughts on what we can do to fight this? Well, people should not be silent. They should speak up. They should not toe the line. They should not follow the rules, the the mandates. Mandates are not laws. They are just orders. That's just that. And look how easily people are falling in line and following the mass mandates, social distancing, no gatherings, and you name it all. They are just falling in line. How easy it is for them to control us, we sh- people should not allow this control. You know, their businesses are being killed, their businesses are dying, their, their, their mental health is being killed, children's mental health is suffering, everyone's mental health is suffering, suicide rates are up. 
and people are still following these orders, they need to wake up, speak up and do something about it, not let this happen. Our, our rights, our freedom is being stripped away from us right now. And it's with, our, with the people's consent. By following the orders, the mandates, it's with their consent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that's the most disturbing part, really, is watching so many of the people around me not only just not only going along with it, but going along with it eagerly. There were some other things that I wanted to say. I don't yeah. know if uh, we still have time for that, but uh, back ahead. with public, public gatherings, there were no public gatherings allowed in communism. We were not allowed to uh, gather in parks, on the squares, on the streets. We were, especially there were times that on, on uh, national holidays, it happened to one of my family members, to a young man, <clears throat> Uh, who walked on the street on a national holiday with his friend and the police went up to them and told them they had to break up. <laughs> See, because they were afraid. People couldn't walk together. They were afraid that the, that there would be an uprising. Mm-hmm. Someone would organize something. But that's interesting. People and that's the church, especially during hard communism at the beginning of communism after Second World War, people couldn't walk to church together. Families had to walk by one by one to church. And even then there was police that would turn them around and send them back home. Wow. Okay. So church churches, like right now, they don't allow churches to meet. Singing and chanting and praying is not allowed. That was the same thing in communism. And it was the, the pastors, the church leaders were told what they could say and what they could not say. And there were spies in the churches. There were spies everywhere. And you never knew who was your spy, who was a spy. It could be your family member. It could be your neighbor. It could be a friend. It could be anyone. Just think about how the mayor of Los Angeles encouraged people to snitch on each other. Yeah. Uh, The governor of of Oregon encouraged people to snitch on, on, on their neighbors for gatherings for Thanksgiving. The same thing that they did in communism. People snitching on each other. And I tell you, people disappeared. People were picked up from street corners. They were pulled out of their beds in the middle of the night and taken if they were perceived as a threat to the communist regime. People, they killed people. They killed those people. And if they didn't kill them, they tortured them. And the lucky ones, they let go after several years of torture. We lived in constant fear, constant fear. There was absolutely no freedom. And, uh, for example, regarding the contact tracing, how they want to trace people, how they want to follow what happens, we don't know where that's going to lead. This mm-hmm. is just the beginning. I can tell you that in communism, when we had guests in our home, we had to take them to the police station and register them. Register them, mm-hmm. they took their personal information. And they took our personal information that they were staying with us and we were being watched, traced. Okay? This this whole contact tracing idea is leading to, it's just paving the way for a bigger, more control, more Mm -hmm. loss of freedom, just like we had in communism. We were not allowed to leave the country. They didn't give us passports to travel. If they didn't give us visas to travel to another country. Look at the borders are locked down not right now. No yeah. one is allowed to travel. Yeah. 
This totally reminds me of what happened to us in communism when we weren't allowed to travel. And there were a few lucky ones who, were, who they gave passports to. And guess what they did? They broke up the families. Half of the family got a passport and these are oh, to go. But the other half was kept back home. That's how they controlled us. Okay? There is so much I could say. Uh, they took away people's livelihood, their livestock, their land. My gra- they took away my grandparents' lands. They, uh, we had large, large pieces of land, and when the communists came, they took it away from us. They took away the, cro- the, the crop from the harvesters. They came to the harvesters when people harvested their food, and they took away the crop. They took away their animals, and people went starving. And there was no food in the stores because it was government-owned. Okay, mm-hmm. big corporations, government or on corporations, no small businesses. Okay, and people were starving. They could not feed their families. There were no small businesses, which is what they are trying to do now, kill the small businesses. Yeah. We yeah. had no guns, no gun rights, and they want to take away our gun rights right now here in America. Yeah, that may be the one thing we have. Well, yeah, that is very scary because we had no guns. The communist government could do whatever they wanted to, uh, to do to us. Yeah. We had no recourse. We had no way of protecting ourselves. Um, censorship. There was such huge censorship. There was only one narrative. We could only listen to one narrative, the communist narrative. There was two TV stations, two radio stations, and it was obviously communist. And there was a radio station from Western Europe called uh, Free Europe. Radio, yeah. And uh, some people, yeah, the radio. And some people tried to listen to that. And even then, they interfered feared with the reception. It was very staticky, very hard to hear. And what would and happen if somebody... Only hear... And look at the media right now. Oh, yeah. How it's lying to how they are controlling the narrative if it if it doesn't line up with their narrative then what is it they censor us facebook censors us twitter instagram they are all censoring us because we have they want us to fall in line with their one narrative the communist narrative and did most people in hungary were most people you hear stories from from the soviet union where people said, "Oh yeah, we knew it was we knew it was propaganda. We knew there was censorship. You know, we laughed at it." Did people in Hungary know that they were getting a message of propaganda and that that their information was being censored, or did they believe I what th- they were hearing? I think a lot of people knew, and a lot of people believed. It was divided, just like our country is divided here right now. Mm-hmm. But the but. And there was an uprising too. There was a revolution in 1956, which the Russian communists and the Hungarian communists, they all, you know, what's the word? I can't think of the word. They made sure they didn't succeed. People lost their lives over it. People lost their lives trying to escape the country. I know somebody who tried to escape in the middle of the winter with her three-year-old daughter, and they had to hide in uh, train wagons and in people's homes on their way to the border. And it was it was very scary. Once they, they crossed over, an hour later, the communists came and gunned down everyone that was crossing over. Jesus. So, yeah, you wow. hear all kinds of stories. Yeah, I need to have um, you back on. I, I've I've got to let you go. I'm so sorry, um, but would you be willing to come back on and and tell? It sounds like you've got a lot of stories to tell. 
That's fine. That's I'd, fine, I'd love yeah. to have I'd love to have you come back. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like because again, I mean, I've I've spent time in China. I've seen this this close up. I've spoken with a lot of people who've lived in in communist countries, and it's just it's astonishing to me how people don't understand what it is that we're up against here. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome.